Welcome. I'm your co-host, James Harrelson, and this is the Game Time Adjustments podcast. Our mission here at Game Time Adjustments is to help you win all throughout life. In this episode, our guest, Clark Kellogg, shares how life's many twists and turns, both on and off the court, have further galvanized his identity in Christ. As a decorated high school and collegiate athlete, he would ultimately go on to achieve his basketball goal of being a first-round NBA draft pick. And though he was a very promising player of his era while in the league, being merely one of only a handful of players to ever average 20 points and 10 rebounds as a rookie, his playing career would ultimately be cut short as a result of multiple knee injuries. Listen in as he'll share how life, like a rubber band's effectiveness, best fulfills its purpose when it is properly stretched. Let's go now as our host Bill Pugh talks with college basketball analyst Clark Kellogg in this special two-part episode of Game Time Adjustments. Born in, uh, in East Cleveland to uh, two uh, you know, great folks, um, Maddie and Clark Sr., correct? Yes, that's correct. And you got it right. Yeah. Five, uh, you were the oldest of five, correct? Mm-hmm. That is right. Yeah. So talk a little bit about Clark Jr. growing up, um, going to St. Joe's, kind of those, uh, those very formative years that I'm sure influence and shape who you are today. Yeah, well, you know, both my parents are deceased. We lost my dad in July of 2016 and my mom back in March of 94. So uh, missed them terribly, even as, as we speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but thinking about my, my upbringing, it was uh, really quite solid and stable. Um, loving. Uh, my dad was a police officer in Cleveland for over 40 years. Uh, my mom was pretty much a, a homemaker, a domestic engineer, until I was in the eighth grade. And she started working at a local hospital, hospital as a clerical assistant and um, continued to work um, until her death part-time. Um, so uh, we had a loving home, man. It was um, lower middle income class. We had just about everything we needed and a few of the things we wanted. Um, grew up in a predominantly black um, part of East Cleveland and uh, extended family around, had all four of my grandparents until I was grown. Uh, didn't lose my first grandparent until I was in my thirties, had already been married for a number of years. So was fortunate there, had tons of aunts and uncles in the city, cousins as well. And uh, just think finally back to my, not perfect, but um, family gatherings, uh, consistency of of presence with both my mom and dad um, being in the home. Um, exposure to sports for all of us happened early because my dad was a really good athlete, enjoyed sports, and I kind of gravitated and started a love affair with hoops. And at the age of eight or nine years old, man, don't know where it came from other than exposure to it and having fun playing, but it grabbed me and hasn't let go really the game of hoops basketball became my love and my joy and my passion and really stayed on the throne of my life until I was 25 and came to know Christ as Lord. But growing up, uh, really tried to be solid in the classroom, tried to be a good person in the context of what being a good moral person represented. Um, Had good examples in my mom and dad. 
And uh, the oldest of five, I was at least somewhat mindful of trying to set a good example for my younger brother and three younger sisters. Um, but I tell you, man, uh, basketball found me, grabbed me, and uh, really helped me kind of navigate my world because it was uh, something I was pretty good at early on. It was something that I enjoyed. It was something that gave me positive reinforcement and confidence and uh, really kind of became what guided and directed me and my, my thinking and my being at that time. But a positive upbringing, man, really grateful for uh, what my folks gave us all in terms of um, love, um, provision, and um, example. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, I have the utmost respect for law enforcement and certainly for your dad and his 40-year service there with the uh, Cleveland Police uh, Department. If there was uh, one or two things, uh, Clark, that were kind of takeaways, maybe that you even reflect on today. So my, my father's deceased as well, and I can't tell you a week that doesn't go by that I don't think of something that reminds me or something that I glean from from my relationship yeah. with my dad and his investment in, in my life. So maybe one or two things that, you know, our, our Clark today, Clark Jr., yeah. as an example or a representation of Clark Sr. and his investment in your life. Yeah, one thing would be presence consistently there mm -hmm. and uh, attentive. Um, the other thing would be being a people person. Um, there wasn't, um, he didn't really meet strangers. Uh, he was mildly extroverted, but could get along with people from all walks of life and all circumstances and just had a way uh, about him that uh, made others comfortable in his presence. And um, I think those are a couple of things that I, I take away. Well, he had a ton of funny little sayings too. He had a really good sense of humor. He had a bunch of little sayings that um, I've shared and passed on to my kids. Um, one of them is a gapper. That's um, a little bit of money to close the gap between paydays. And anytime he came into some extra money, he always would throw you a gapper. <laughs> and uh, I throw my kids gappers all the time, and they get a big kick out of it because they heard him say it when he was around because he, he actually gave them gappers. That's so, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. But just some of his pet phrases that um, I've, I catch myself saying and yes. uh, smiling about. Yeah, but that was that was, that's one of the big ones, a gapper. Yeah, that's give, cool. give up. Yeah, yeah. I love. I just love. Uh, don't you love uh, legacy? It's like, you yeah. know, we're fortunately or unfortunately the parents now, right? Like with yeah. our folks deceased, it's like I never imagined that I would be here, and yet, and now we're here. But you're continuing the legacy in yeah. many ways of your folks. So yeah, that's cool. Good, good for you. So. So you grow up, you have a love for basketball, you're focused, uh, doing well in the classroom as well as on the court. Uh, talk about the special year of 1979, which is both of our uh, senior years, and you, yeah. you had a, a great career. Uh, let me see here, I have uh, 27.2 points per game at, at, uh, at St. Joe's, 1900 and 61 was that intentional career points is that right oh, i don't know i know it's just kind of a, a weird coincidence in terms of birth date and career numbers i don't remember them 
Exactly, but I'll trust your research. All right. So um, <laughs> talk about your senior year. And, and you know, I was looking at some old, old pictures of you, you <laughs> care on the court. <laughs> Man, I tell you, it was the culmination of a really good four-year journey for me at St. Joe's. Um, all boys Catholic high school. Um, yeah. I was not Catholic. I was predominantly white. Um, it was really a seminal part of my journey and growth. Um, academically, athletically, and socially. Mm -hmm. um, again, I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood in East Cleveland and went to public schools through eighth grade. And the vision of my parents and the encouragement of my elementary school principal who had gone to St. Joe's thought it would be a good fit for me and my younger brother. Um, and my parents bought into it and we got an opportunity to, to, um, to go there. And, um, uh, my senior year was really a culmination of um, progressive growth, um, personally and athletically. Mm -hmm. um, and academically, I was challenged and um, stretched, and it really served me well as I headed off to college. But that last year was one where we had a good team tied together, well-talented, with a chance to, to win a state championship. And I actually got all the way to the championship game and came up short. And despite that loss, which is still a great regret for me, is that we couldn't quite get it done. But mm -hmm. um, it was really a, um, it was an idyllic com, um, concept in my career. I started there as a freshman, um, set a number of school records, um, had great teammates and enjoyed playing for the coach that I played for. He since is deceased now, Bob Straw. But um, just good memories about the excitement of the journey. Uh, the success that we had, uh, particularly my senior year, that was the first time at that point in time that the school had gotten to the state championship in basketball. There had been some really outstanding football teams prior to that. Mm -hmm. But that was the first time a basketball team, I think, had gotten to the championship game, if I'm not mistaken. And to be part of that, the kid from the east side of Cleveland helping a school that um, had some athletic history go to another level. Uh, my personal growth and um, development there on and off the court. Um, I just owe an awful lot. I'm indebted to the game of basketball, certainly, but also to um, those formative years at St. Joe's. I had a number of really um, outstanding teachers and administrators and, and coaches and teammates. And um, I just, uh, I enjoyed it. It was, um, it was it was dreamlike on 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 many levels, mm -hmm. um, not perfect, but so much of it was good, and it set the foundation for me to, I think, um, do well in college and even do well in life um, going forward. Some of the lessons learned there, some of the relationships, um, some of the values that were um, emphasized and demonstrated in that Catholic um, setting um, were were all helpful to me. So. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm grateful when I look back fondly on that time. Disappointed we didn't get the championship, but sure. grateful we had a chance to uh, be successful. A special K, where did that come from in terms of your nickname that was kind of yeah. birthed around that time period? And then fast forward to the recruiting process, kind of transition there. Who, who was recruiting you out of Ohio State? Were you always going there? What did that look yeah. like? Yeah, you know, the nickname, I think, was a natural one. And that, you know, the last name of Kellogg and having some unique ability on the basketball court of sports writer, a local sports writer, I think, was the first 
dubbed me who dubbed me that, but I think it was just a natural expression based on my last name and what yep. I was doing as a high school basketball player at that time. And so the recruitment was pretty crazy, Bill. I was considered one of the top five players in the country by consensus in a class that most historians will say is the best high school class ever in basketball with the yep. likes of James Worthy and Dominique Wilkins and Isaiah Thomas and Antoine Carr. And there were countless Byron Scott, Dale Ellis, Steve Stepanovich. I mean, there were of the top 25 players in high school that year. Um, there are probably four or five that have made it to the Naismith Hall of Fame. And yep. obviously probably another 16, probably 16 or 18 of us played at a decent level in the NBA. Yes. Um, so it was a terrific, terrific class. And I was considered one of the best of the best. So I was recruited by everybody, but knew I didn't really want to go too far away from home because of family connections and mm -hmm. not wanting to be too far outside of the Midwest. So it ultimately came down to Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Kentucky. Those were the four schools that I zeroed in on. And did I never really had, I Clark, never really had a huge list. Did you say that team up north, or did I yeah, hear you I did. Yeah, no, no, no. Going back to when I was being recruited prior to becoming I, a Buckeye. We'll be back with today's guest right after this. We appreciate our sponsors, Brennan, Martin, Pugh, and Associates, offering next-generation consulting services. Also, EDR Marketing, providing corporate hospitality and event marketing solutions. Their impact provides resources that bring both purpose and meaning for our listening audience. If you're interested in sponsorship opportunities, please be sure to contact us at GameTimeAdjustments.com. Now back with today's conversation. Irvin will give me a pass on that because we, we're actually going back to the future. So I'm telling you okay, this okay. as I was coming yeah. through. You can just see how it through me. <laughs> yeah, but those are the four that I locked into and visited with my parents right. and um, took a hard, long look at all four. And it actually came down to Ohio State and Michigan as my two final choices. And ultimately, the Buckeye Nation sure. uh, put the full court press. Being an Ohio kid, most of the guys on the team at Ohio State that I would be playing with were Ohio guys. They yeah. put a really – hard sales pitch on me. I enjoyed all of them as they yeah. recruited me and encouraged me to go there. Herb Williams and Kelvin Ramsey, Jim Smith, Carter oh. Scott, top in. A lot of those guys. So Marcus was Miller. Waiters, was Granville yeah. Waiters there? He was part of our class. He wasn't recruiting me, but he was part of the class that I ended up being part of he in 1979. Columbus, Columbus East, right? Right. They beat us in the state championship game. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, yeah, played, yeah. I played them too. And let me yeah. just say my shooting percentage was not very good against them. <laughs> yeah, he could get up in the air for a 6'10 guy. Oh, lock shot. Yeah, he could bounce, man. So we ended up going head to head in that state championship yeah, game. And, yeah, and then ultimately when I did decide to go to Ohio State, um, we ended up being roommates. It was pretty crazy. It was probably crazier for my family because yeah. at that time there weren't a lot of limits on how often coaches could call and how they could show up for your game. So it became a pretty stressful time yeah. for, um, for my family, my siblings and my mom and dad. Um, for me, it was enjoyable because I looked at it as just kind of the fruit of my labor. I wanted yes. to be good and excel and wanted to be a top player and wanted to go to college and play and so all of it was um, 
was um, pretty fun for me. And I was, but I was glad when it was over. I made my decision yeah. um, in April of '79, and um, a lot of fanfare around that being being a Buckeye and choosing Ohio State. Yeah. Um, but it was the right place for me, Bill. It worked out. Um, wasn't perfect, but it was. Uh, it worked out well for me over time. Yeah, that's, that's cool. What a what a cool uh, a cool story. So you go on and you have a great career as a Buckeye at Ohio State. Uh, your senior year, which would have been 82, right? Well, I guess it would have been your junior year, right? That's correct, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you were uh, all Big Ten, uh, Ohio State MVP. You were number one pick uh, by the Indiana Pacers. So maybe uh, one or two kind of thoughts or memories from that uh, very significant uh, part of your college career. Yeah, you know, the three years I was there, we my best the best team I played on was my freshman year. Herb Williams was an NBA player, Kelvin Ramsey. Uh, yep. We came up short in the tournament and in the Big Ten championship race, but that was a really talented team. My sophomore year, we were disjointed and not together, really struggled. And then my junior year, um, I was kind of the leader of the team. We had some young freshman guards, Troy Taylor and Ronnie Stokes and uh -huh. myself and Larry Huggins and, and Granville Waiters, Tony Campbell, who ended up playing a long time in the NBA, um, kind of overachieved a bit my junior year. And I knew at that time I was dating Rosie, who would become my wife, that if I was um, in a position to be a top pick, that I was ready to, to move on and fulfill my dream of being a pro player. And so I did at the end of that junior year, after thinking it through, um, I made the decision to leave after my, my three years and pursue being a pro and got drafted and really was on my way to an outstanding pro career uh, before knee injuries cut it short. But um, look back, no major regrets. Wish we could have hung a banner as Big Ten champs. We came in second two of the three years I was at Ohio State and mm -hmm. had chances on the last day of the season to win a title outright or share one and came up short. But individually, I grew and developed and put myself in a position with the help of, you know, my teammates and coaches to be a, a high NBA draft choice and, and fulfill my dream of being a pro and um, showed when I got there that I was an up-and-coming, rising um, young player um, my first few years before the knee injuries um, in the mid-80s ultimately ended my career in 1987. But um, love that I'm a Buckeye. Love that I'm part of the uh, one of the largest alumni bases in the country. Um, mm -hmm. And grateful for my time as, a, uh, as an Ohio State student athlete and still very much connected to the university here since we've made Columbus our home the last 27 years. Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. So thinking back or putting uh, kind of some punctuation on your sports career, so you go on and have a great career with the Pacers, uh, albeit the uh, injuries, uh, you know, maybe cut your professional career short, but maybe what's uh, one or two takeaways, maybe something a coach said to you along the way, high school, college, professionally, that had significant meaning to you or maybe an experience that you went through that, again, sort of serves or informs your, your even today daily experience? What, what, what would one or two of those things be? Yeah, a couple of them. One is a coach at a high school basketball camp. He was the head coach, Herb Sudak was the head coach 
I'm sorry, Bill Sudek was the head coach at Case Western Reserve when I attended a basketball camp as an eighth or ninth grader. Can't remember exactly when, but he came and was a guest speaker and uh, pulled me aside after he had spoken and, and made, a, made a statement that I've kept in my mind and in my heart um, since then. He said, Clark, you've got a chance to, to go a long way and do a lot of good things in the game as a player. You're talented, you're hardworking. Um, but remember, it's um, nice to be good, but it's better to be nice. Mm. And my folks had talked about that as well, treating people the way you'd like to be treated, never getting too full of yourself just because you excel in a sport. Mm. And so it resonated that it would, it's always nice to be good, but it's better to be nice. So I've tried to embrace that and live that out in my journey. And then I had a number of folks, a mentor of mine um, who um, continues to be a dear friend, um, Ira Novak and others talked about not allowing the game to use you, but using the game as a means to an end, as a way to your education, as a way to other opportunities, um, as a way to meet people. And I've taken that to heart. I've sought to always, even when I was playing, thinking about um, this is, this isn't, the essence of me, this isn't going to be, at some point, this part will be over and you still want to be productive and um, successful in how you live. And so I've always kind of kept that in mind too. But those would be two things um, that, that kind of resonate from folks that came alongside me in my journey. Thank you again for listening. If you missed the podcast, don't worry. We have show notes, links, and resources available at GameTimeAdjustments.com. Until next time, remember that no matter the challenges you face in life, with the proper timely adjustment, you can not only redefine success, but you can ultimately win all throughout life. Our host for this podcast is Bill Pugh. Our producer is Matt Dunn. Our associate producer is Ashley Russell. And I'm your co-host, James Harrelson. On behalf of all of us here at Game Time Adjustments, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back again with you very soon.